and welcome to the Fingal Business Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by local enterprise office Fingal, one of 31 local enterprise offices around the country. Local enterprise office Fingal helps local business through a wide range of practical initiatives and programs. The Leo is your first stop shop for business supports. So whether you're just starting out or an established business, local enterprise office Fingal is here to help. The aim of the Fingal Business Podcast is to share quality information for small business owner managers to enable you to be more effective in running a successful enterprise. My name is Sharon Rossignuolo and I'll be chatting to industry experts so that you can get the best advice to help you to succeed in your business. In today's episode, we're talking about thinking differently in the new normal with motivational speaker and author of The Green Platform, Declan Coyle. Now, Declan Coyle, I am absolutely thrilled to have you here with us on the Fingal Business Podcast. You're very, very welcome. It's my privilege, Sharon. How are you and how are they all in Fingal? I hope you're all uh, getting ready for this new better, not just the new normal. Yes, absolutely. Well, I can tell you most certainly here in Leo Fingal, that's what we're all about. We're all about helping people to to survive and thrive and do the best we can. So yes, 100% working on it, Declan. Thank you for asking. Um, So the reason I wanted to bring you along here today is really because you have a wonderful book called The Green Platform. And I'd really, really love to share that wisdom with the businesses in Fingal. So first of all, tell us what is The Green Platform? Well, Sean, the Green Platform, I'd say it originated, the idea for it originated in um, in Ottawa. I was doing my postgraduate studies over there, but having grown up on a farm in County Cavan, we were the last in a place called Van Dimmen, the last farm in Cavan, and we had, we had the usual, the horses, cattle, sheep, and pigs, and all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we weren't aware of the fact that we're, we were being conditioned as our parents and our grandparents were conditioned for centuries. And uh, while we knew a lot about horses and pigs and cows and all of that, we were also getting inner scripts that we accepted as real, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, in Ottawa, I met a visiting professor. He was an amazing man, Victor Frankl. He was an Austrian psychiatrist, tortured Nazis during the Second World War. And he told me they tortured me, they broke my body, they did did operations on my genitals. But he said, that was the outside world, but I have an inside world. He said, I have an inner house, and that they could not get into, he said. And that, I protected that inner place. And he said, remember the casual way he said, they could break my body, but they couldn't touch my spirit. Yeah. And he said, there is the scope the last and the greatest of the human freedom. And that is to choose my response in any given set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. He said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. I call it the white space. And in that, we have the last and the greatest of the human freedom, the freedom to choose a response. Not to be just a bunch of predictable reflexes being triggered into predictable outcomes by people and events and situations. And it's one thing knowing what to do, but it's another thing doing what you know with all the conditioning. And I'd find my, I'd say things like, oh, he made me very angry. And he'd say, no, Declan, nobody makes you angry. You are choosing to be angry. Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that I had the power to choose was totally lost on me growing up in Dungeon. 
It was never yeah. taught to me. It was never taught in school. It was never taught at home. And it's probably one of the greatest insights that has transformed my life and the lives of thousands of others. So I said things like that when she really annoys me. You know, you're making a choice there. You have the power to choose. You're choosing to be annoyed. He said you have an ego and your ego looks for ways to be offended, but you can never be offended. Mm. And it was that kind of language. And then the more I thought of that later on, I was wondering, how could I make that more graphic, more real? Because you wrote a beautiful book called Man's Search for Meaning. And um, then I remember uh, getting this idea that, you know, life is but two platforms. We land on a negative platform or a positive platform. Once we make that choice in the white space, so I mean, one day at lights, I remember I got the idea, okay, let's make the positive platform green, subliminally green for gold, mm-hmm. and the red platform, the, the other platform, the negative one red for subliminally to stop. And I created the idea of a platform because underneath the red platform is a septic tank of sabotage called fear, all mm-hmm. evidence of pretty real. It's fear, it's panic. It's everything in there that doesn't help you to make a good decision. And underneath the green platform is the field of all possibilities. So switching platforms, it's just a very easy grid to live our lives through. That uh, problems We see problems on the red platform. We see opportunities on the green platform. Mm-hmm. And they go back, back a little bit to... Um, I used to be against positive thinking because I thought it was kind of an American aberration. In yeah. America, they were all positive, but they weren't real. In Ireland, we were all negative, but we were real. That was yeah, funny. at least we were honest about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's the, you know, the, and, and it's, the, the reason for that was that my major problem was that if you had a major tragedy, say your children were killed or something, and, you're in trauma, you're, the tragedy is there, and then somebody comes along and flippantly says to you, oh, uh, uh, be positive, like, you know, uh, uh, look on the good side, look on the bright side, get on the green mm-hmm. platform, you know? That's not been emotionally honest, because the soul has music that it plays, and at that time of tragedy, it's playing like Chopin's, the, 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 the funeral march, that it's playing yeah. sorrowful music, and you honor that music. So if you have a, a, a tragedy, you feel the feeling fully. You're emotionally honest. There's no healing without a real feeling. Mm-hmm. If it's loneliness, you turn on the tap, you feel it. But then we have the white space, and then we have the power to choose. And I can choose a red platform. And if I choose that red platform, I'm choosing to be the victim, the whinge, the whine, the moan, the poor me. And you know these people on the red platform, I, I call them energy vampires. It's not their bad breath or their body odor, but my God, they're whinging, they're whining, they're moaning, they're complaining. Mm. They're, you know, they, they, they suck the energy from you like a vampire, like a, a hoover. And, you know, it's, you, you meet me on the red platform and then you think you're having a bad day. No, you're not having a bad day. You just met me and I'm, I'm toxic. Yeah. But on the green platform, it's where we choose to be responsible. We have the 10 most powerful words in the English language. No word more than two letters. If it is to be, it is up to me. Or I'm mm-hmm. proactive. 
I'm a creator. On the red platform, I'm a victim. On the green platform, I'm a creator. I don't just discover life, I create life. Mm -hmm. I get up in the morning on the red platform and the familiar path becomes a predictable future. And I always do what I've always done and I'll always get what I've always got. And then I wonder why I don't get different results. But I get up on the green platform and instead of the familiar path becoming the predictable future, I create a new future. I just ask that question, like, what would be the best version of myself to be? How could I can be? How can I be the best that I can be, so that those around me can flourish and shine and be the best that they can be? And once I ask that question, my frontal lobe will fire wire a totally different set of neurons. And mm -hmm. you know, the neuroscientists tell us that neurons that fire together wire together. So mm -hmm. anybody, Sharon, who ever created, made history or made a breakthrough, the great heroes we have, Martin Luther King. They lived out of a dream. They lived out of this vision for the future. They had the dream and they turned their dreams into, into plans and their can't into plans. But for instance, if my life, if my inside life is determined by the external circumstances and memories of the past, then Martin Luther King would have said, I have a complaint. I have hundreds of complaints. I have thousands of complaints. I have millions of complaints. Let me start with the truth of the plan. Let me start with Africa. Let me start with the ship. But no. He said, I have a dream. And he focused and he put, because he knew that where attention goes, energy flows. So yeah. he put his attention on the green platform, on the future, and a great future that we could create together. And let's we forget, he kept repeating it. I have a dream. I have a dream. That is our day. Like we, it takes as much energy to dream a big dream as it takes to dream a small dream. And I remember a friend of mine, Dr. Pierce Lyons, who, who was the president of Alltech, mm -hmm. and he died a few years ago, tragically. But um, uh, he he was an incredible. He built a company from ten thousand dollars he had in the states in 1977 to over three billion, and had six and a half thousand people around the world. Wow. But he'd meet people and he'd say, "What's your dream?" And then he'd say, he'd look at them and. He said, but why is my dream for you bigger than your dream for you? And it's that thing about on the green platform, we dream, we see opportunities, we we are innovative, we're creative, we um, we we take actions that bring joy to others. You know, we have powerful whys. We want just we don't just want a job on the green platform. We want to make a difference. We want to contribute to humanity. We want a powerful why. We want to be inspired and we want to inspire others. Mm -hmm. So it's a totally different world from I uh, just want to get through the day on the red platform. Yes. And, and even though it can be easy, just as easy to hop onto the red platform as the green platform, but the important thing is that choice, the fact that you have that choice as to where you want to go. And, and thinking about that future that you have for yourself, that dream is really the driving force, isn't it? It's about placing yourself in that positive future and thinking about that rather than everything that's happened before. Yeah, and just making that more real and getting the feeling of that. Like I was saying to one young woman like last week, she was kind of on the red platform and she, I was trying to get her to make a choice, fundamental core choice to be happy, you know? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, she said, okay, well, I'll be happy when I meet the right boyfriend. And I said, you're slipping into that red platform when then syndrome. When I get this, then I'll be that. You know, yeah. 
it's instead of that, why not be happy now? And you have a much better choice of meeting yeah. the right person. Yes, you know, so much. And and that I believe is a choice. And Mickey Singer has a lovely book called The Untethered Soul, where he he talks a lot about making that fundamental core choice to be happy. And then he met a man who was committed to this and made it non-negotiable. But three weeks later, he met him and said, "Well, how's it going? How's your commitment?" He said, "Your vow to be happy going." Oh, it's gone. He says, "Why?" Oh, he says, "My wife just left me." And that brings it right back, Sharon, to. Does the outside control my inside, or does my inside control the outside? Yes. And it's mm-hmm. that in outside may be a mess, but that mess doesn't have to go inside. Inside, I have a beautiful house. That mm-hmm. house, Sharon, is mine. Nobody gets in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, you may say, what if I get a COVID nineteen, whatever? Okay, yet that's outside. I cannot control that, but I can control my inside. My the real me inside cannot get COVID nineteen. I can't be touched by anything. Mm-hmm. But it's I can I can. The one question I ask, whatever life unfolds in front of me, is on the green platform we have the great green platform question, and that is, how do I respond with a joyful, loving service to whatever life is unfolding in front of me now? Mm-hmm. It took thirteen point eight billion years to get here. And there's a whole lot of life going on. Trees are blooming. The sun is still 25 million miles away. The nearest star is 4.5 light years away. And my body is working. My liver is working. There's a whole lot of stuff going on that I have no control of. But all I have to do is control. How can I respond with joyful, loving service? How can I make this moment better because I encounter it? So that would be, we have two other things, Sharon, we have stories and questions and the step back because the step one something happens you emotionally honest you acknowledge it and then I tell story and an event has no meaning a situation has no meaning or a fact has no meaning unless I make up a story for an interpretation or meaning about it so my question mm-hmm. is usually why when something happens do you make up a story on the red platform that makes you feel bad when you can make up a story in the green platform that makes you feel good yeah. For instance, something happens when I say, this is a disaster. And then that becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's red platform. But if I choose a green platform power story instead of a poison story in the red platform, and I say, no, this is a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And an example, we have a special needs child here, Alexander, he's 15 now, but a few years ago, the government of the HSE he took away his medical card and a terribly cruel medical card called of all the terminally ill children in the country. And when you, I was in the States and I came home and saw this and I remember saying to Annette, my wife here, hey, no, this is not a disaster. It's an opportunity to get all the medical cards back for all the terminally ill children. Yeah. And it took a 42-day campaign selling newspaper articles, 16 radio interviews and six television interviews but all the terminal children got the medical cards back and now it's enshrined mm-hmm. in all the law of them again but mm-hmm. it, that's, the, that's the power of the green platform you mm-hmm. you disempower yourself on the red platform but you you say how can I fight and we come to questions then on the on the red platform Sharon we ask toxic poison questions and you're 100% certain on all your poison answers mm-hmm. 
Yeah. The poison question would be, why me? Whatever. I do deserve this. Why do these things always have to happen to me? Okay, 100% certain you get a, a negative poison answer. Why you? Because you're a slob. Because you lack early life love. Because your mother loved your sister more than you. But I didn't have a sister, but if you had, you would have. Me. But if we go to the green platform and we ask the power question, how can I turn this around and enjoy the process? How can we be the best? How can I be the best version of myself so that those around me can flourish and shine and be the best that they can be? Yeah. How can I make a fundamental choice to be happy today and let that radiate to others? How can I fuel every moment with the best that's in me now? In business, a, a very simple thing will make a huge transformation. 20% of our activities will give us 80% of the results. So if I ask myself, how can I focus like a laser beam on the 20% of my activities that will give me 80% of my results? If you look at your customers, 20% of your customers will give you 80% of your profit. How can we really, really service those uh, those 20% of our customers and get another 20% coming into that? Mm-hmm. We look at people using their strengths around the world and we do surveys and all of that. And we find that when we ask people, how are we, the company, using your strengths? 83% say no. So only 17% are really, really using their strengths. So what are we doing? Most of the time we think the managers Working extremely hard teaching hens to swim. So that manager works all morning teaching the hen to swim. The hen is no good at swimming. This is not her strength. But he's committed. So in the afternoon, he builds a hen gym. And he gets the hen <laughs> doing all kinds of swimming exercises. Pushes up. Still, the hen is no good. Then he gets a personal trainer in. Come on, hen. Like eight, nine, ten. Do another one. You need motivation, hen. So he gets the big motivator in, in and all the rest of it. The motivator. Still, the hen is no good. And then he gets um, the 260 degree feedback and he says, look, it's not just me, Hen, but everyone else is saying you're okay at laying the old eggs, but your muscular swimming is useless. And the hen goes out to press, the man, the, the, the manager is depressed. And then he hears about this man on the green platform. He's going to make a difference. Call him in, work with the hen. Come on, hen. If it used to be, it is up to me. Get on the green platform. Get your empowering beliefs. If you believe he can, you're right. If you believe he can't, you're, you're right. Come on, hen, mm-hmm. let's do it. He's useless. Get rid of him too. <laughs> and then, Sharon, one morning, one fine morning, we discover a duck, and a duck swims. Swimming is a duck's job. Lean eggs is a hen's job. But all over the corporate world, we have Michelangelo milking cows. We have Michelangelo minding sheep. We have Mozart milking cows. And if we get the right people in the right jobs, doing what they love and loving what they do, People talk to me about work-life balance. My father was a farmer, horse, cattle, sheep, pigs, open country cattle. Never once in my lifetime did he ever complain about work-life balance. Why? <laughs> because he loved cattle. He loved horses. He loved, he loved all of that. Mm-hmm. And that was his passion. And the thing is, if we're doing what we love and we love what we do, then we're inspired. And like, you talk about this, this pandemic being contagious. What about creating an, an, an enthusiasm pandemic? What about creating a green platform pandemic? What about creating a positivity pandemic? Mm-hmm. And Declan, when you talk about, um, I suppose, business in particular, and I'm just thinking about that, that idea of choosing to go on the green platform, choosing to look for the opportunities, what part does the comfort zone have to play in all of that in terms of innovation, in, ter- in terms of making change happen? 
Oh, Sean, you're absolutely, the comfort zone is huge because I would say the greatest enemy to our human potential is the comfort zone. And it's um, the comfort zone keeps us in that rush, always doing what we've always done and always getting what we've always got. Mm -hmm. But the only difference between a rush and a grave is death. So all the magic in life happens outside the comfort zone. And that's why, like, we have to, like, we weren't trained in this for school, but we desperately need this to, to get into the unknown, because it's in the unknown we create. Yes. And if you look at, even since this pandemic, it has thrust people into the unknown, and it's got to find new ways. Like, I remember doing some webinars from the beginning of this, and on one of the webinars, I had a farmer down in Cork and he does incredible organic stuff and he had, um, you know, he had, uh, you know, these lovely, like, beef and he had his 60 great customers and everything. That night he said he lost them all. He was going to, like, going to have to, he didn't know what to do. He was going to, yes, and yeah. And just giving him the tools and say, look, be creative, getting you. Three weeks ago, he told me he has 900 totally new customers and he's flying. Wow. His, his thing is taking off. He would never, I mean, but I'll tell you, the opportunities you talk about, Sharon, it's, um, uh, I remember years ago being at a, a thing in, it was a, a thing in the, it was a presentation in the, you know, the mansion house that Jack Canfield did. But I remember he played a video of, um, a video of basketball players and one in white singers, one in blue singers, whatever. And he asked us all to count the number of passes in the game, in the basketball game. We're all counting, so many got seven minutes But then he said, how many of you saw the man dressed in the gorilla suit who walked across the court and waved at the camera? Well, nobody, because there was no gorilla there, you know. And then, mm. you know, I'm going to replay this again. And what he did was, and he was saying, you can check with the technicians. It's the same DVD. I mean, it's up on YouTube, you can see. But mm. there came this man dressed in a grill suit, waved at us all. Now, what he was saying to us was, that was also, you know, during the recession, but he said, the thing about the grill is, the grill is the opportunity. If you were, if you were not looking for an opportunity, every time you, you were looking for the gorilla and you saw the gorilla, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, there would be an opportunity as big as a gorilla, and if we are not looking for it. And if we, Sharon, could get people and businesses to stop thinking 1x and start thinking 10x, 50x, mm -hmm. what's the big 10x opportunity? What's the big 50x opportunity that's out there, ready and waiting if we go looking for it? Yeah. And put some energy in, even have at least one hour a week of 10x, 50x, 100x thinking. Exploring ideas. Yeah. I know one company I was working with, and this lady was convinced no, it didn't work because everything was routine with them. She was meeting a UK representative of a big food chain and said, What about putting our products into the UK food chain? He said, Oh, I never thought of that. That's a great idea. It was, it, there was about a thousand X. They made millions on it. Wow. Wow. And, and they just hadn't thought of it. It never occurred to her. They weren't thinking that. It said only for her mind was tuned. She asked them the question. And the thing is, like, if you ask, always ask, Sharon, and, you know, the worst can happen, I always say, say no. If you 
I would think of a young man going out and he, he sees a beautiful young lady he's in love and he was, he was terrified to ask her out because she's too beautiful and she might reject him. I always say to him, ask her. If she says no, you're still as far on. But yeah. there's always the chance she might say yes. Exactly. And the thing is, when you have a customer or something, you ask them and they say no, that's fine. But then always the next question is, what would I have to do to get a yes from you? Yeah. And then you're getting information. Exactly. And then you know what to do next. And then you know how to to build it into your business. So you're serving that person. Brilliant. And that's great advice, actually, Declan. Thank you. And in terms of now, I'm sure you have spoken to thousands of people around the world. And I'm sure there are lots of people like me who know all about the green platform. But how... um, you know, all of us are guilty, I think, at some stage or another of this, bridging the gap between knowing and doing, actually taking action, taking what I've learned and going off and taking that action. What's, what's, how can we bridge that gap? Well, uh, I would say the, the thing that I found the most powerful and practical with people is that yeah, I do the workshops, I do the course, whatever it is. And, uh, but the one thing over the years, from just starting the training in the early 90s on that, I was always fascinated with, I didn't want to go in, do a two-day course, do a two-day workshop, have 10 minutes of standing applause and leave, and three days later, everything goes back to the old routine, you know? Because I had no interest whatsoever in doing that. So I've always been, because in my early life, I've had many lives, but one of my lives was a Colombian missionary, 27 years. Mm -hmm. I worked in slums in the Philippines and Taiwan and all of that. But... One of the things I learned out there was that whatever you do, you do not create a dependence on yourself. You create independent communities who can be responsible for themselves and have their own leaders in that, you know? Mm-hmm. So what, what I do with people is, if you look at goal setting, on an average, say, on average, it pans out, we set our goals. We achieve goal setting of 40%. But if from accountability partner, partner, somebody who will hold me positively accountable and we're committed to each other to be positively accountable, then research has shown that goal implementation goes from 40% to 95%. That's a 55% increase. Mm-hmm. So the way I work it is I ask people, uh, first I started off as and do 15 minutes on a Friday and the five questions. The five questions are, number one, was he on the green platform this week? Did I stay in it? Did I help somebody else back on it? Did I help to contribute to creating the green platform culture in my company? Because we know from Buffett and War and Drucker and all those people that culture will eat strategy and plans for breakfast. Mm. So did we, we have a positive culture of people who are 31% more productive and 37% better at sales. So did I create that positive green platform solution-oriented opportunity spot in culture? How did I contribute to it this week? And the culture is number one. Number two, was I focused and were you focused like a laser beam on the 20% of your activities that deliver 80% of your results? Do you know what the 20% are? How are the 20% of our customers doing? Are we really serving them who are giving us 80% of our profitability? Third question is, it's a very simple one. Was I working out of my strength this week? Or was I Mozart milking cows? And the fourth question is about their figs. I always give them a, 
three figs, three fiercely important goals, and to focus on one fig for the week. And what I get them to do is five action steps each day to achieve that fig. Think you do your five action steps Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, before anything else, to achieve your big, fiercely important goal, your big thing. Mm-hmm. And the fifth one is every month I have what I call a 10x, 50x, 100x opportunity goal. How is that going? Did you look? Did you ask? Did you see? How do you create that? How do you make that massive breakthrough that will make all the difference, you know? And yeah. People say to me, you know, well, you explained to me where you did 10x, 50x, 100x. Okay, I said, I'll explain to you a 1,000x, more than a 1,000x, a 10,000x goal. When I came back from the Philippines, I, the last 90 days I was in the parish in the slum, I buried 65 children under two years old, all who mm-hmm. died from hunger and hunger-related diseases. Mm-hmm. And I came back and I was raising funds just to keep people alive. We set up Grameen Bank, Cooperative Credit Union. Mm-hmm. Pig programs, hen programs, fishing programs, all of that. But I remember looking and I was raised, I get 3,000 at an auction, at 3,000 more from people doing, losing weight and, you know, all 24, 40 of our past in our country, you know, that we got 5,000. I was into P.D. Doyle, the head of Doyle Hotels one day, and I asked him, you know, for 100 pounds, you know, and he went bananas. He said, no, the maximum, this is 1978, the maximum you get is, is £25. That's the maximum you're getting the more. I said, no, PB, I want £100 and I want to give you a good reason why you want to give to me. I will guarantee you that not one penny of this will go to the poor. It's all going to go to administration. And he said, like John McEnroe, you can't be serious. I said, oh yes, PB, I am serious. I said, never more serious because we tell everyone else all their money is going to the poor. So somebody has to pay for administration and that's you, PB. So just give me the check. Yeah. <laughs> For the hundred pounds, but he said to me, Sean, he said, "You're not a businessman." Now at that stage, for the formal meeting with PV, I had the black suit and collar and everything on, mm-hmm. and I said, "Well, that's a good observation, PV." He said, "No, you're not a businessman because you're doing these one-off things, and the projects you're doing, as soon as the money well drives up here, you think, why don't you go down to DSB power stations, give talks to the workers, show them the pictures, the slides." And getting 20p, 30p, maybe a pound of the wages each week. And he said, we did that. I got Michael Totty, who was second secretary of the Department of Finance, to look after the financial thing. Every year since that, 1978, we have 15,000 went out to projects in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sent it out now to Father Shea Cullen, who was a, he takes the kids out of Brussels and jails, and he has a home for them called the Parade Center. But the thing is that the point I want to make here is that 10x, the 100x, the 50x is easier than slogging along with 1x. Yes. Is that that has, that has given me a 1,000x without any effort every year, 15,000 coming in. It's that big opportunity. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have, well, by 10x and 50x, Sharon, I don't mean you work harder, you work longer. No, it's all about working smarter. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like, you know, it was, it was, I suppose, a chance conversation as such, but it's something that started the wheels turning for you and you made that change and you made that jump. But the benefits from it have lasted years and years and years. And the benefits in terms of other people's lives have, have lasted over decades. That's incredible, yeah. incredible change. 
Yeah, it's and that's. But I think that you know, I think that the only reason I'm saying that is that we all have those opportunities today to do so. And like, what do we want to do? We want to make our company successful and profitable, so that we can reach out and help other communities. Mm-hmm. Because, and even like you know, talk about you know, they've done the research now across the states. The companies who are more concerned about the communities they're working in are the most profitable, you know? It's getting yeah. that bigger why and getting that purpose and get meaning because, Sharon, we have a young generation coming in now and they're no longer willing to work for wages. They are hungry for purpose making a difference. Yes, yes. And it, it really, it, it's, it goes to your very core. It's about who we are as human beings and what we can give to the world as well. And that's so, worth so much more, really, in terms of motivation and in terms of making that jump then, going back to what we were talking about, about the knowing and doing. Um, yeah. And De- Declan, in terms of then, so, you know, the tangible benefits are very, very clear of making that jump, of making the right choice. So it's, it's incredible because really it has started off it, it's an illustration. It's a picture of a white space and then the choice yeah. to move to that green box or that red box, the green platform or the red platform. And there's no doubt about it. The, the benefits and the the rewards that you reap from being on that green platform are huge. Um, Declan, in terms of advice, your one piece of advice to businesses who are listening in here today, your one piece of advice to them as they go out now, they've listened to that concept of the green platform. They've listened to the examples, the benefits of doing the 10x, the 100x, etc. Your one big piece of advice to businesses right now, what would it be? It, the, the one thing I'd say is that if we can get our, the fundamental goal right, you know, is that everything else will follow. And it's basically the purpose we do everything turn is to be happy. Sometime along the way, we do everything we do to be happy. So if we make this commitment to happiness, you know, to be happy, to have a happy, to have happy employees, to have, you know, to have employees who reach their full potential, you know, to have employees who are committed to being the best that they can be so those around them can be the best. But they've done research in Harvard now and they've discovered that happiness is the new productivity. Mm-hmm. From a purely financial thing, you know, this Harvard Business Review May 2014, they did research and showed that the cost of negativity, the cost of the red platform to the economy in the United States the year before was half a trillion dollars. That's $1,000 bills 38 miles high in my hand. Now, mm-hmm. that's only the mere financial thing. The mm-hmm. cost in terms of stress and in terms of all like mental health and all that is mm-hmm. enormous. Medical bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we can get people who are joyful, who are happy, who are coming in, like the benefits flow everywhere. And we, you know, like when I'm happy, when I'm at my best, I'm at my most productive and I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm not a, a hen trying to swim up a, a river either. I'm actually working from my strengths and doing the things that I love to do. Uh, ex- exactly. And it's if we can create that and keep asking people and like, um, one man built up a company that he lost it all and built it up to 53 million. And I said to him in the boardroom up the north, I said, uh, what's the secret? And he said, well, unlike a lot of companies, and it's the first person that ever actually said this to me, he says, I didn't care about profit and I didn't care about customers. 
I said, what? He said, you heard me. I didn't care about profit and I didn't care about customers. My number one priority was to make sure all my employees were happy. Mm. My second priority was that each one of them would reach their full potential and be the best version of themselves so that those around them could flourish and shine and be the best they could be. And number three, I'm realistic. If they couldn't reach their full potential with me, I would facilitate them to meet their full potential in another place. And as a result of that, we have incredible customer care and the profits come in the back door. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, Declan, that is fantastic advice. And overall, I have to say, this has been an incredible interview, not just to introduce the green platform to more people, but just to give us that inspiration, because I think whether we know it or not, we all need to be inspired to get to that place where it's green, where it's go, where it's out of the comfort zone, creating, innovating and doing what we need to do to, to get used to life of, as to as to where it is now. Because realistically, we're not going back to where it was. This is a new beginning and it's up to us to make the most of it. So Declan Coyle, thank you so much. My privilege, Sharon. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode brought to you by Local Enterprise Office Bingo. For more information and to keep up to date with our services, check out www.localenterprise.ie forward slash bingo and sign up to our newsletter. 